Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, after a year of having their lives be in danger, having administrators and government officials and everybody let them down on a massive level in terms of providing PPE to our frontline healthcare professionals after basically coming home terrified of infecting their families, getting stigmatized and ostracized by members of the public because they wear scrubs to go do their shopping on their way home from their 12-hour shift where they're seeing death and destruction on a scale that they've never seen in their generation or careers, a year of being scared that they're gonna give it to their kids or their elderly parents, COVID-19, after a year of a lot of them being furloughed, losing their jobs, because of the the end of elective procedures and the fee for service crack cocaine that is the lifeblood of our broken ass medical system after a year of being these soldiers on the front lines at last we have images and stories of people nurses and respiratory therapists and doctors and residents getting a vaccine that will end this pandemic. It is one of the greatest science stories in modern memory that in less than a year, even against all skepticism and doubt, including mine, we managed to somehow support the production as a country of an effective and safe vaccine that will end this pandemic. And to see nurses who have been risking their lives get this vaccination on videos and on pictures that have been flooding my message box and our social media boards and all of that, it is emotional. It's one of the most profoundly moving things as a physician that I have seen and it brings hope to this idea that, hey, no matter how we've managed this thing so far, no matter what you think about the pandemic, this is gonna end because of science and because of our frontline healthcare people who put it all on the line and are now first in line to get this vaccination. So how much does it piss you off, I'm pulling up your comments right now, when you, 
hear stories like what the LA Times was reporting about billionaires who are hitting up their concierge physicians to somehow cut in line and get the shot early. They're talking about making $50,000 donations to hospitals and spending a ton of money to try to basically bribe their way into getting this vaccine. This is part of the zoomocracy who doesn't even have to go in public. They can shelter in place their entire lives on Necker Island somewhere. And they're trying to take a vaccination which is in limited supply because it's logistically really hard to do in this record time to get this thing out to people. They're gonna take it from a frontline healthcare professional. And that could potentially cost someone's lives or the lives of patients that that professional might end up infecting. So how much does that piss you off? If you have any moral palette of fairness versus cheating, that should trigger every single piece of it. Now, that all makes sense. And we know the ultra rich are not known for high levels of empathy or compassion. In fact, when they're studied, they have lower levels of empathy than people in lower socioeconomic status. So this doesn't surprise me. That's not saying all rich people are a-holes. Just, boy, do you hear the stories. They have no problem using wealth and influence to try to cut in the line for this thing, right? And they had nothing to do with its development. They had nothing, I mean, these are scientists working on this, right? It was a collaboration between academia, government, and industry. And those three came together and produced this in amazing time with amazing safety and efficacy so far. I mean, it's nuts, you guys. And then a billionaire is just like, you know what, I'm gonna have that, thank you. And there's your frontline respiratory therapist, your radiologic technician who's doing the X-rays and the CT scans on those COVID patients that are now overflowing in our hospitals because people decide, you know what, I don't wanna, physically distance, or I'm gonna go to that big, you know, maskless event where I'm gonna hang out, you know, or worse, our government policies of, hey, stay at home, hide in your house, but yet be an essential worker and come back home and infect your family because household transmission is a major transmission route, right? So no matter what your politics are, no matter what you believe, this thing has been bungled, but the vaccine is one of those rare, like, holy crap, right? now. That's why the internet has been blowing up with the story at my alma mater, Stanford University. And so I was on Twitter and I saw a video in the atrium at Stanford. Now this atrium is near and dear to my heart. It's where I basically drank stolen Ensure from the kitchen when I was on call for 36 hours as a resident in scrubs, feeling like uh, I could hardly stand, let alone take care of patients, yet we somehow did it. Sitting there sipping on Boost or Ensure chocolate on ice in that atrium. That place has a spiritual significance for me. And what I saw there was a full atrium full of angry residents and staff holding signs, wearing masks, saying, What did Stanford do to us? We have been absolutely betrayed. And this is what happened. Stanford leadership apparently used an algorithm to determine who 
at Stanford because they only got 5,000 shots and they have tons of staff and resident physicians and attending physicians and everybody there, right? Everybody else who works in the facility. And so they only had the first shipment of vaccine was limited and they had to decide how to allocate it. So they relied on an algorithm. And again, this is through tertiary reports. Now it turns out one of my good friends from, I should say, I haven't seen him in a long time, but he was one of the best residents I have ever had. He was ahead of me by a year or two and was my supervising resident when I was training and went on to be a UCSF, prominent UCSF hospitalist, came back and is now the chief medical officer at Stanford. Really amazing guy. And I imagine he was involved in this. And so the idea that they somehow did this intentionally, I think is anathema to what's true. But this is what happened. They, they purportedly, and I reached out, but I haven't heard back yet because they're crazy busy right now. They use this algorithm to determine who should get the shots first. Now we don't know the details of it, but the algorithm sucked because what it did was it assigned the vaccine to older attending physicians, uh, many of whom weren't seeing patients in person every day. And it completely ignored out of the 5,000 resident physicians who are the action arm of the hospital. They're the business end of the hospital. They're the ones taking care of the patients, really. Every day, five of them got assigned to get a vaccine. So as you might imagine, and think about the emergency nurses, the respiratory therapists, the rad techs, the people who are there staffing face-to-face -face not getting vaccine, and some you know, elderly ortho attending who's not even in the hospital because there's no elective procedures or whatever is getting the vaccine. And that's what the algorithm did. And apparently they knew the algorithm. And again, this is a little bit of hearsay. They haven't responded to me, but I'm sure they will and I'll clear it up if they tell me differently. But they knew the algorithm was goofy, but they ran out of time to change it, or at least that's the story. And so they went ahead and proceeded sending out all, you know, I guess the invitations were sent to like, who's gonna be in line for the vaccine. And of course, what would you think would happen? Every single resident shows up to the atrium and it's like, we, we've been asked to volunteer in your overflowing ICU to take care of COVID patients and you don't have the effing decency to give us a vaccine over some attending that doesn't even see patients or worse, an administrator who happens to be older because the, the algorithms, and we'll talk about it, the algorithms working in mysterious ways, but they aren't that mysterious. And you're gonna do that and you're not gonna support your front lines and the, and the docs, the resident docs were up there speeching and they were just basically saying, listen, this is nonsense. We're not saying people shouldn't get vaccinated. We're saying, what about the people who are at highest risk? And, and the doctor actually said, what about the nurses, the ER nurse, forget, even forget about us. What about the respiratory therapist? What are you doing? And look, no matter what the intent was, no matter whether it was a screw up, that is the worst possible knife in the back you can give to your own staff and your own residents during the worst year in the history of being a clinician. It's just, it's out, it's unconscionable, right? And again, I don't, I don't think there was any ill intent. People are like, oh, they were just trying to get themselves vaccinations and all this. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think the algorithm did the following. And this is how we should think about vaccinations because what about politicians, right? You see Mitt Romney getting the shot, you see Pence getting the shot, Pelosi got the shot. So it's like, well, wait, 
these people don't touch patients. These people aren't frontline healthcare workers. Like, who ought to get the shot? Let's talk about that. Who should get the shot and who's cutting in line? Let's talk about it right now. All right. The formula for who should get the shot. My friend, Dr. Vinay Prasad, who's been on the show many times, just tweeted this. It's a simple formula, really. And it's this. What priority should you be equals the risk you have of getting very sick or dying from COVID. Okay, so that's one variable. Now, what contributes to that? Number one, age. Age, 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 age. Number one is age. I've been saying for the whole pandemic that this is not an equal opportunity killer. This hurts preferentially people over 65. The second risk there is comorbidities. So do you have other illnesses, particularly heart illnesses, cancer, diabetes that put you at risk, hypertension, kidney disease that put you at risk, sickle cell disease that put you at risk. And then there's other factors in that. For example, your socioeconomic status. So it turns out this affects people of color, poorer people more than it does the affluent uh, and people that, not, you know, not people of color. So you kind of factor those things in, including gender. So women are less likely to get very sick and die than men. Now, again, this is these are all risks and it's a strata. Doesn't mean you can't get sick and die. Doesn't mean lots of women haven't died of this. Doesn't mean there isn't long haul COVID and all the other stuff. So that's one thing, is how likely it is that you're gonna get very sick or die from COVID. Now, multiply that by the second variable, which is how likely are you to be exposed to COVID? So how likely it is that you are gonna be in a place where you're gonna get COVID. Well, okay, the number one risk factor for that is your occupation. And guess who is top of the list for that? Healthcare professionals. From the beginning, it's been healthcare professionals. Now you could talk about grocery, essential workers, absolutely. And they would definitely rank high on the occupation and risk list, right? Assuming that the people shopping there aren't wearing masks and people aren't wearing masks. but Healthcare providers, long-term care residents and staff, because 40 to 45% of our fatalities have come from the elderly nursing home population. I mean, of 300,000. I mean, that's it's clear who needs to be protected there in terms of risk of catching it, risk of dying of it. They they meet all, they meet all those criteria. So this idea that, you know, what about a politician? Well, politicians see a lot of people but they're not necessarily higher risk than other public people, assuming people are masking, which they aren't always, right? So that is a factor. How likely are you to catch it? And socioeconomic status matters there too, because if you're an essential worker, if you live in a multi-generational household where a lot of people are essential workers and you're crammed together in a closed space with poor ventilation all the time, and those are that's your family or extended family or people you're living with, you're at higher risk. So factor that in. All right, the third variable in this puzzle is gonna be how likely are you to be around people that you could kill by making them sick? Now, you need to understand, we don't fully yet know that this vaccine prevents your capacity to infect others. They need more data and to look at the data that we have to say, okay, if can you still be asymptomatically infected, but just don't get sick, and then are you able to transmit it? 
And we don't have great data for that, which is why you'll hear people say, you still need to mask, you still need to physically distance, you still need to wash your hands, even if you get the vaccine, because you can still make other people sick until proven otherwise, until we know that that's not the case. So that being said, that third variable, are you likely to make other people sick? Well, guess what's at the top of that? Occupation again. Once again, healthcare professionals, long-term care staff, essential workers. And then if you live with compromised people that are elderly, have chronic disease, et cetera, then that bumps up that variable. So you see those three variables interact. Now, imagine that you have, and by the way, so let's just talk about it real quick. So who, who would fit those things? Well, healthcare workers, pretty high on the second and third variable. And the first variable, it depends on the healthcare worker, right? Like, are they older? Do they have other comorbidities, et cetera? So younger residents, you can see, might not factor very high on that age factor. Um, and then who, you know, who will they talk about politicians? Well, politicians, you know, they're older. Uh, they could infect other people because they're always running around, right? But the other thing is there's that mission critical component of being a politician. There aren't that many politicians, but if one of them gets sick, it really messes up potentially, although you and I both know it doesn't do shit really. But this is their pitch, right? This was Romney's pitch is like, well, the continuity of government means we have to be vaccinated. All right, well, look, I think I would cut some slack there for people to decide ethically what makes sense. I'm not gonna take a hard line stance on that. I'm gonna try to think it through rationally. So imagine what this algorithm did. The algorithm probably said, okay, let's look at age. Let's look at, you know, where, you know, the occupation component. So this is where the algorithm may have failed. It overemphasized how young the residents tend to be because they tend to be in their 20s and 30s for the most part. Um, and so that's a younger group. They're less likely to die, uh, but not necessarily unlikely to get sick. So that being said, it probably factored that in. And then it said, okay, where do they work? In what department? Because that's, even within healthcare workers, there's a stratification. And that's clear that, you know, if you work in the emergency department or you work in ICU, uh, where you're in people's face all the time, you're at higher risk. So the algorithm probably tried to decide, oh, you know, all right, well, and, and it tried to look at residents and go, well, residents are just internal medicine or emergency medicine or whatever, and they don't stratify them by location because they're all over the place. They rotate through everything. And that was listed as one of the potential failures of that algorithm, right? Because then it just said, oh, well, then they're not high risk because they're they're younger. So, you could see how the thing could start to really screw up, right? So I see like Sanjay Gupta getting the vaccine and part of me is like, bitch, you don't see patients. I mean, he does, but it's more of as a figurehead role, right? Um, it's like Dr. Oz sees patients. Yeah, but he goes in and does surgery once a week. By the way, would you get surgery from someone who operates once a week? I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm not saying anything about Oz in particular. I'm just saying, I'm not sure I would. You want a surgeon who does it all day, every day. So should they get vaccinated? Well, there's an ethical component of they are actually promoting the public good by showing that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is and get a vaccine that some people are still reluctant to get. Not that many people, it turns out, because there is a, people are trying to cut in line to get this thing. So, I mean, the conspiracy theorists are like, oh, this thing's poison and you won't see people getting it. And why are billionaires trying to bribe their way to get it? They know something you don't know, Mr. Uh, non-Illuminati. So 
That being said, let's turn that radar back on me. I desperately want this vaccine, desperately, because it means that I could have, first of all, less likely to infect people in my family, like my wife, I'm 47. I have a genetic clotting disorder. That means that if I get really sick, my likelihood of having blood clots, which we know this virus tends to promote, is very, very high. I am a healthcare worker, but but I don't see patients every day. So, and I wear a mask. I'm pretty good about uh, distancing and that sort of thing. I don't take ridiculous risks, right? So for me to go, and believe me, I could use my influence to get this vaccine. I'm pretty sure I could do that. Like, you know, billionaires probably have less ability to get the vaccine than I might because I have so many connections in healthcare, but I wouldn't do it because I would be stealing a vaccine from someone who really needs it more than me, period. That's just simple ethics 101. It's like, you know, do the most good for the most people. Does that mean I go get a vaccine right now? Even though it will tell the anti-vaxxers, look, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and they're gonna say he's not getting vaccinated because he doesn't believe in this vaccine and so on. My wife gets it because she's there, but she's actually even a lower tier than the frontline people. So she's not getting it in this first run at Stanford, but she goes there every day, right? So it really is quite stratified. So that's why I won't be getting the vaccine until the second or third tranche comes through and I'm comfortable and they're comfortable wherever I get it at UNLV, UMC Medical Center in uh, Las Vegas where I'm on staff, that would probably be the best place to get it, which means I have to get on a plane and get it, which is another risk. So this is how you have to think about these things, right? You don't just think about, well, what do I want? What are my needs? What and. And it's easy to do that, especially since we've been through hell for a year with this pandemic and people want it to be over. And then they're gonna say, well, now I have the vaccine so I can go out and do whatever I want. And like I said, I don't think we can say that yet. There may come a time when we can. I think it's gonna be sooner than we think. I think people are like, oh, we're never gonna stop wearing masks. No, 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 no. That'll be the end of society. It just, we're not gonna tolerate it. So we'll figure out a way that that doesn't happen even if it's not scientifically valid. It, it, Americans will be done with it, all right? And we'll get through it. And the truth is so many Americans have been infected right now that we're gonna approach an amalgamated herd immunity via vaccine, via natural infection. And by the way, we're gonna come, the next show is gonna be about breastfeeding, pregnancy and vaccination, about if you've had COVID before, should you still get vaccinated? And these are, wonderful questions that we're gonna get into in the next show. All right, so that's what I wanted to talk about today, the issues of fairness versus cheating and the Stanford thing, politicians, frontline healthcare workers, so inspiring to see them rolling up their sleeves and sending out pictures and selfies of them getting this vaccination. Um, and you know, and I'll say it one more time, I said it before, the, the, the act of getting this is an act of love. It's an act of love, first of all, self-love, that you care enough about your own health that you're willing to do this, even though people still are nervous about it. And, and man, that's understandable. It's a new thing, it's a new technology. You don't have all the tools to look at a 44,000 person randomized control trial yourself and dig through the data so that you intuitively know, like Paul Offit does, or you know, specialists in the field do, that this is safe and effective and that the risks of it 
are way out, and there's always risk to anything, are way outweighed by the benefits. But getting the vaccine as a healthcare worker right now is an act of love. It's an act of self-love. It's an act of love for your family who, again, we don't know about passing it on after, but boy, it's gonna be more likely you're gonna get them sick if you've not been vaccinated and you get sick. It's an act of love for the community as you start to generate a collective herd immunity. It's an act of love for your calling and profession, saying, you know what? I believe in the mix of humanity and science together in solving problems. And it's reflected in our field more than almost any. And by taking this vaccination, we're, we're, we're giving love to that ideal, that rational thought can actually transcend a lot of our problems, right? Combined with humanness, with our heart, and with understanding what we are, which is nothing but consciousness, but I didn't say that out loud. All right, so all that being said, I love you guys. Please share this video. Until next time, we are out. Stay well and stay woke. Peace. Hey, become a subscriber. Click the subscribe button then right to the right of his little bell. Hit that bell, booyah! You get notifications, never miss any of our stuff. I love you guys, we out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just gotta ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.